Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. It is a great day after all. It is Christmas. I love Christmas. I do. But I, uh, I want to confess something to you uh, today is that I love to eat a lot at Christmas. And uh, I discovered something yesterday. See, when you say the word Christmas... It actually automatically entitles you to have, on Christmas Day, thirds, fourths, fifths, if you feel so inclined. What I discovered yesterday is that I don't even have to admit to that, because if I eat solidly for five hours in a row and just eat bits at a time, right, it really only counts as one meal. So I don't have to feel any guilt about that whatsoever at all. But but I want to confess that I love to eat. There are so many things that I love about Christmas. There's a couple of things that can sometimes be a little bit awkward about Christmas. I don't know if you ever feel awkward at Christmas, depending on the family that you're in or you know, maybe, I don't know, I don't know everybody in the room today. So maybe you come from a family where uh, there's, there's been a divorce and a remarriage. And then so you've got the two sides sitting together and you have to sort of determine who's going to sit where and who maybe shouldn't talk to who. And it kind of can get a little bit stressful. I don't love the uh, car parking at, at, at the shops at Christmas. Who shopped online this year? Only a couple people. Uh, I didn't do any shopping online, and that means that I have to go to the shops. We still got to do it. I got to go to the shops, and I do not enjoy uh, driving around for half an hour to find a car park and race someone. And you got to give them that look, like I'm serious. This car park is mine. I saw it first. Don't don't bring that here, you know. So so you you give them that look because you just got to get in there and get the stuff. And if you've got kids, well, kind of just makes it more interesting, at least anyway. So. So uh, that's one of the things I don't like about uh, uh, the Christmas crazy period shopping time, uh, you know. Uh, but apart from that, I, I love everything else. We got Christmas uh, this year at our house, and it was a surprise to us. It only happened a couple weeks ago. And uh, so what, this is what will happen, all right? So I'm going to just go out on the limb here. I'm going to trust you. You're going to back me up, right? Yeah, you're going to back me up. Okay, so that's what you're going to do. That was, uh, that was not a question. That was rhetorical. It was like, you are going to back me up. So here is what will happen. Uh, we have Christmas at our house, which means I'll be getting up early to cook a turkey. And uh, got to have turkey at Christmas. And I'll be getting up early to do all of that. And we will probably have some presents opened in the morning. Now, we have three kids, but we have a whole bunch of people coming over. So here's what we'll do. We will have what we call our stash room. Does anybody have a stash room? It's the room that none of your guests know exists. And what happens is, is that when it gets really crazy messy, about five minutes before they're due to arrive, you look and you're stressed and you're like, everybody, get all of that stuff and just put it in that room and lock the door. And then you try to forget that it wasn't there. And when people walk in, you're like, hey, how you doing? Oh, it's been so stress-free and easy just setting up for you guys today, you know? We will stuff everything in our stash room and pretend it doesn't exist and act relaxed when actually we just sort of stressed out in the morning. Does anybody do that before guests come over? All right, it's like one or two, all right. I'm so glad I trusted you with these personal details of my life. Got a couple more hands. Thank you for your support. I feel encouraged. So anyway, but I tell you what, that all of those things happen. And despite all of that, you know, here's the truth, is that we will go through anything that we need to go through for Christmas every single year because we love Christmas. And although there are sometimes some challenges and things that come with Christmas, the truth is 
I love Christmas. I love, what, what, what could I love more than the food and the presents? And I really mean this. And I like presents. I really mean this. I love the message behind Christmas. I think it's the greatest message that the world has ever heard. It's the message behind Christmas. And I do enjoy it more than the day itself. And so today, here's what I thought I would do. I want to tell you the story of Christmas because if you're here and, and you're a guest or you don't go to church very often and you've sort of watched the carols by candlelight, you sort of pick up little bits and pieces of the story. But you know what? It's good every now and then to just sort of stop, refresh and think about what the story of Christmas is all about. So here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to give you just a couple of details about the story of Christmas and then I'm going to read a scripture and then that's going to be it. We're going to make a couple points and then we've got some more carols that we're going to sing in just a moment. All right. So let me give you the story in brief. Now, it's really easy to think that the story of Christmas begins with the person of Jesus when he was born. But guess what? It actually begins even before that. So let me read a scripture to you. This comes from John chapter 1 and verses 1 to 5. I'm going to read it. If you can't read it from there, don't worry. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's an awesome scripture. If you're uh, not in church very often, you have no idea what I just said. You were looking at that and saying, all right, he seems to use the word, word a lot. And he does. And so what I thought I would do is why don't I explain what the word, word means. And when you know what the word, word means, you know what the word is all about. Does that make sense? All right, I'm confused, but we're going to do this anyway. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the word, word, I'm going to replace it with the name of Jesus. Let's see if it makes any more sense that way. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Jesus, and without Jesus was not anything made that was made. In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Doesn't that make a whole lot more sense once you understand when they talk about the word, word, the word, word means Jesus. Now we know what the word means. Everybody confused? Awesome. I'm right there with you. So that's good. I'll tell you what, pretty amazing. If you understand what I just said to you, I told you that actually uh, Jesus was in the beginning, that he actually existed before the creation of the world. And in fact, he existed before he was even born. And I don't know too many people that have done that. I think it's pretty special for someone that was alive before they were even born. And not some kind of weird reincarnation thing, but actually he was himself born. He, 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 was, he was born. And this is an amazing story. It's pretty special, pretty amazing person that can do that. John says later in, in, in chapter 1 and verse 14 that, that God became flesh or the Word became flesh and it dwelt amongst us. And this is really what he's saying. He's saying that Jesus became human and lived among us. When it says that word flesh, it actually means meat. God became meat. He became flesh. He became blood and bone. Have you ever had chili con carne? Yeah, carne. That word carne means meat. He was God incarnate. 
And so God became uh, flesh and He dwelt among us. And it's like, wow, this is pretty amazing and special stuff. Now, the story as it goes is that He lived in the beginning before the creation of really, well, anything. And the thing is, is that I think about this story is like, He lives, you know, in perfection. He lives in heaven. That sounds like a pretty good place to be. I thought, why would anyone want to leave that place to come here? I mean, I love the world. I love the earth. But honestly, he had everything laid out for him in heaven. So why would anyone want to do that? Well, the story of Christmas happens right around here. See, the thing is, if you read the Bible, if you go to the beginning, the book of Genesis, the very beginning, a couple of chapters into that book, you will read a story. And even if you're not a Christian, you're probably familiar with some of the details. And here are the details. I'll give them to you really briefly. As God created two people, the first two people to work on the planet. He called them Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, you know, they're walking through the garden one day. And the devil, the serpent, he comes and he says, listen, uh, uh, why don't you eat this fruit from this tree that God said not to eat? They're like, no, no, we can't do it. He goes, no, you can. They said, yeah, you're right, we can. So they did. And they ate the fruit. Now, when they ate the fruit, it really, this is what it symbolized. Because you're like, it's kind of a harsh punishment to be thrown out of the garden for eating a piece of fruit. But really, this is what it signified. They said, God, we're not going to do life with you anymore. We're not going to do it the way that you've asked us to do it. We're going to do it independent of you. And this is the thing about God. Is that anybody that wants to live a life independent of God in, the, in their life, He actually lets people do that. And so He, he, he sees what's going on and he, he comes down to the earth and He, he comes up to uh, this little trio, this group of people, and He begins to tell them what will happen as a result of not listening to Him. And he gets to the serpent and he begins to curse him because really he's, he's kind of fooled Adam and Eve into not having this great and perfect relationship with God. Now, this is what he says to the serpent. He says, I will put enmity, which is hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. I want to highlight that word to you. It says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And again, if you're not familiar with this, you really might not know what that means. But here's what he was really saying. He's saying, I tell you what, there is going to be a child born. This is the offspring. This is the very first mention of Jesus ever coming to planet earth. He says, "Uh, I'm going to send my son Jesus. That's the woman's offspring. And uh, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, that's this sort of part where he reflects and says, you know what? Yeah, he's going to die on the cross, but he's going to absolutely crush everything that you're trying to do by ruining the relationship between God and man. And it's the first mention of it. I kind of like the way that the Message Bible puts it. It says, I'm declaring, this is what God says to the serpent. He says, I'm declaring war on you between your offspring and hers. It's a pretty powerful thing to say is that one day this baby is going to be born that's going to completely uh, destroy the work that the enemy had. It's amazing. And, you know, for thousands of years, people were like, when will this happen? We were just waiting for it. When will be the day when this child will show up and do all of this really amazing stuff? This child that will actually begin to reshape humanity. This child that will begin to restore humanity. When will this child come? And so they're like, how are we going to know about that? And God said, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you a couple clues. 
Because a lot of people are going to come, and there's lots of crazy people out there. They're going to say that they are God and all the rest of it. So how will you know the one that really is from all the fakes out there? How are you going to know? He says, I'm going to give you a couple of clues. So he speaks to a few people, and he, and he begins to speak to them. We're going to call them prophets because that's what they were. They predicted the future. And so he speaks to these people called prophets, and he says, I'm going to give you a couple of signs. Let me read a couple of scriptures. He said, this is how you're going to know that Jesus is my son. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Now, can we come into agreement that this is a pretty awesome sign? He says, I'm going to give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. All right, can we just stop right there for a minute? Do you just understand what I said? The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Actually, that word Emmanuel means God with us. And that would be the name of Jesus when he comes. There's another scripture that was shared. It says uh, in Isaiah, this is just a couple of chapters later. He says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. In other words, when Jesus comes, he's going to bring some changes. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. How many of you realize that God was a counselor? You can actually go to him and he will speak to you. I think that's pretty amazing. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You don't have peace in your heart? You should go see the Prince of Peace. Let him usher that into your life. It says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. I'm like, that is going to be a pretty amazing future. So at the time when this stuff was written, he hasn't come yet. So they're just kind of waiting and hoping that it would come. And everyone who knew this message was waiting for the day when this would happen. And then the most amazing thing happens. A woman named Mary, she's out one day and her angel shows up. I don't know if an angel ever shows up. It would freak me out. I'm telling you right now. It would, I would, because when an angel shows up, particularly at this time, when an angel shows up, either something very good is going to happen or something very bad is going to happen. She's like, is this the good thing or the bad thing? He's like, you have found favor in God's sight. Now, the reason that Mary finds favor is because, are you ready for it? God decided to give it to her. All right, so Mary, she's not this amazing human being who was so impressive she was worthy of having God's child. No, 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 no. She just found favor in God's sight. Can I tell you something right now? When God wants to put favor on your life, He just does. Because that's the kind of God that He is. He's a God that's full of grace. And so Mary finds favor in the sight of God. And so the angel shows up and this is what the angel says. The angel says, uh, so Mary, you're going to have a baby. And she says, okay, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> I don't have a husband. He's like, yeah, yeah, we know that. <laughs> She's like, well, how would this be? And he's like, well, it's a... Uh, kind of a little hard to explain to you, Mary. Uh, why don't we just say this? The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. She's like, whatever. So, so the Holy Spirit would overshadow her and suddenly she would be pregnant with God's child. Now this is a pretty amazing story. When Jesus was born, He had the most unusual birth. Now I have had three children, not me personally, because that, that really would be a miracle. I mean, my wife did, but but I mean, I was there when it happened, okay? And, and, and so my wife and I, we, we have three children. And you know, at their birth, uh, this is kind of how it happened. Uh, we had the baby, and then we kind of chilled out for a bit. And then we text a few people, I had a baby. They're like, cool, that's awesome. I said, yeah, put it on Facebook. And uh, had a baby. 
selfie. And, uh, and so we, 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 we post that. A couple of days later, people come in and yeah, they gave us flowers and they gave us cards. And the, 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 that's what happened around the birth of my three kids, you know. Actually, when Jesus was born, it was so much more spectacular than that. When Jesus was born, they went to, uh, to this, to this uh, uh, it's kind of like a hotel, but there was nowhere for them to stay. They said, we got a manger. And they're like, okay, well, it will do. So there they are in the manger. You know, the Bible says that these wise men, another translation says magicians. Actually, what that word means is astronomers. These wise men, these astronomers, they came. You know what they did? They worshipped this baby. They worshipped this small child. Shepherds came and they worshipped this baby. Now, I had three kids and ain't none of them ever been worshipped. No one has ever showed up at the hospital and said, listen, we were just, if you guys aren't busy, could we worship your child? It's just not going to happen. If you've had kids, you probably know about this. If anybody showed up and worshipped, and, and I, I, I mean, we love the flowers, but gifts of gold would have probably been better, all right? The thing is, is that Jesus was born obscenely rich because when he was born, there was gifts like they showered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh and they came and they laid it before him. And they said, this is for you. And they worshipped a baby. This kind of thing doesn't happen. But they were told the message. They were told that a king would be born in Bethlehem, but they weren't the only people to get that message. See, there was a there was a king at the time, and uh, he heard about this. And, you know, this is kind of what he's thinking. He's thinking, I'm a king, and if this guy is a king, well, this town ain't big enough for the two of us. I'm going to have to get rid of that king. So actually, he dispatches soldiers to the town where Jesus was born, and they kill all the children that are male under the age of two. It's this one little line in Scripture that had a horrific outcome and consequences. But I told you that the darkness would not overcome it. You see, there was lots of things that would try to prevent Jesus from coming to planet Earth, but it would not stop God's plan. And so King Herod, he comes and he does this terrible thing and it happens, but Jesus escapes and he goes to Egypt. And when it was safe, he comes back and he comes to Nazareth. You know, when Jesus was 12 years old, he goes into the temple and he starts teaching the teachers. I got kids, they try to teach me stuff all the time and they're just wrong. But the thing about this is that Jesus was right. And they're like, this kid is amazing. He is incredible. When Jesus was in his 20s, he became a chippy. He said, I'm going to be a builder. He's a carpenter. So, so that's what Jesus did with his life. And when he's about 30 years old, he goes into full-time ministry. And, and, and even if you thought, I don't know if this is the child that we've been waiting for, you would have to watch the events that begin to surround his life. And the things that happened around him were spectacular. I mean, Jesus would um, open uh, people's ears that were deaf. He would heal people on the spot. He would pray for people and people that were blind their whole life that would begin to see for the first time. He turned, which is pretty spectacular and probably very welcome at Christmas, he turned water into wine. And that is pretty amazing. He did so many miracles and, and he gathered this group of people that began to follow him. And after three years of full-time ministry, he was dead because they put him on a cross. 
And he hung there and he died. And the Bible says that three days later, he was resurrected. He came back to life and not some sort of weird ghostly like person, but living flesh, a real person. He came back to life. As you can imagine, this is a pretty amazing story. And a story like that is sort of bound to travel. And it did. And so it was traveling uh, all over the, the country into different towns and villages. And there was this uh, town called, or, or this city called Colossae. And there was these people there, these, these guys that believed the story that they heard. They were Christians. They wanted to follow Jesus. And because of all the surrounding influence, all different ideas began to be fed into them about what uh, it was really about, how that story really happened or what the truth really was. Kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? Seems to be that today that all kinds of ideas are being fed into what the Christmas story is all about. But Paul the Apostle, who had a personal encounter with Jesus himself, he said, I tell you what, I'm going to help these guys out. I'm going to write them a letter. And in my letter, it's going to explain to them everything that Jesus is. Because if you want to know what Christmas is all about, you got to know who Jesus is. And so he writes them this letter so that they can begin to understand the person of Jesus so they could get rid of all those conflicting stories. And here's what I want to do today. I want to read this scripture. I'm going to make three brief points and then that's it. This is, the, this is what he wrote. We call it scripture. In its original form, it was simply a letter. I'm reading this from the Message Bible and it, it just, I like the way it was worded. It says this, we look at this son. And see the God who cannot be seen. We look at the sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. He was supreme in the beginning and he is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Actually, another translation says, in him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Meaning that he was fully God even when he was on earth. That's pretty amazing. It says not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. By giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together, whole and holy in his presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets this same message. He says that this is the only message because to be honest, you're going to get a lot of messages in your life. You're going to hear a lot of things, but this is just the most important one that you'll ever hear. So i got three points. Here they are. The first Christmas, here's what it meant. It meant that we could see the invisible God. The first Christmas meant we could see the invisible God. Does it ever bother you that God is invisible? I tell you something right now, it bothered me. When I was 
looking into this and I was becoming a Christian. God was changing me. I tell you a story. One day I barricaded myself up in the room. I said, God, I am willing to follow you, but you just got to show up. So I sat in that room. This is weird, but I trust all of you, even when we podcast this message. And so, and so here's the thing. I sat in the room and I'm like, God, show up. And I sat there stubborn. I'm saying, God, show up. And I was like, you know what? It would just be awesome if one time, just once, you could actually show up. And it became apparent to me that he did. It became apparent to me that at this time in history that God did show up in flesh. And the, and the truth is, is that it didn't happen for me that day. And God does physically show up in people's lives sometimes. I mean, that stuff does happen. Didn't happen for me, but I started reading and I realized, oh, oh no, God did show up. He showed up and he was the person of Jesus. In fact, Here's what Hebrew says. It's, he says he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of the nature of God. And um, what I'm trying to suggest to you today is that Jesus is exactly what God is and who God is. And if you've ever had questions in your mind about what kind of God he is, all you need to do is look at the person of Jesus because he was God. He continues to be God. And so if you've ever cried out to God and sort of wondering if He cares or wondering if, you know, what kind of God are you? Or do you even care about my problems or, or whatever? You only need to find the Scriptures and look up what Jesus was like to discover how God would want to respond to you. Have you ever prayed for someone to get healed and then you thought, I don't even know if God wants to heal them. I don't even know if God wants to answer this prayer. I don't even know if I can trust you. If you really want to know what God was like, you just find Jesus. Because here's something that Jesus said. He said, I'm only ever going to do what I see my Father doing. So actually, if you want to discover if Jesus is the kind of God that actually wants to heal you or your mom or your dad or whatever, if you want to discover if, if that's the kind of God that He is, or if you take an excerpt of Jesus' life, you'll discover one thing. Every single person that came to Jesus got healed. And that tells me that that's what God's desire was for people because He said, I only ever did what I saw my Father doing. If you're wondering what kind of God is the God that we talk about, the God that we serve, the God that we love, this is who He is, wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. That's my first point. Here's my second point. The first Christmas meant the restoration of humanity. I mean, the restoration of humanity. You know that when we read that scripture and it said God cursed Satan and he said that he'll crush his head. He would crush his head through restoring God's people. And when he restored God's people, he would restore his people's purpose. He would restore purpose. He would restore humanity's purpose. See, if you can look back to the story, and you, you probably already know this, he took Adam and Eve and he, he puts them in the garden. And then he says, you're in charge. You know when they lost being in charge? When they decided not to listen to God. But God said, no, I'm not finished with this earth. There are more things that I want to do. I'm going to put my people back in charge again. Here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to send Jesus to die in place of all the, for all the sins of the world. And when he does, I'm going to restore humanity's purpose. Man, purpose is so important. There's purpose in everything. You probably already know that. I mean, there's probably a reason why you go to work. Because they pay you, right? Or maybe your work is more meaningful. Maybe it's not just that they pay you, but there is something significant 
about the work that you do, or maybe you just got nothing better to do and you're just like, I'm going to show up again, you know. I don't, I don't know, but there's purpose there. It's nearly New Year's, so a lot of people are going to probably buy gym memberships that will be utterly unused. But, but there is a purpose behind making that purchase, right? So I'm going to get fit next year, right? Right? Okay. I'm going to get fit next year. There's purpose behind it. There's purpose behind your relationships. But here's the thing. If you want to find out about the purpose for why you were created, you're not going to find it here. You actually got to go to your creator. And I'm going to say something to you right now that may blow your mind. The reason that you're here today, I'm not talking about here in this building. I say the reason that you're on planet Earth is because God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for your life. There is destiny that's over your life. And here's the thing that will conflict logically in your mind. You're like, no, 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 no. I'm here because my parents got together. Don't think about that. You'll need counseling. But, you know, you think that you're here because your parents got together. You're just the product of biology. You are not. You're here because God created you. And if you want to find out the reason that you were created, you have to go to your creator. And here's what I want to say to you. No matter where you find yourself today, no matter what you've done, God can always restore your created purpose. He's always able to take your life and pull the pieces of it. So it doesn't really matter how bad you think you might have messed up. God specializes in the area of pain and heartache in life. No one could have felt betrayal the way that Jesus did. When it comes to temptation, it says he was tempted in every way. You better believe one thing, that Jesus went through the pain of life. He went through everything. He understands it all. He understands what it feels like to go through the hard stuff of life. He knows that. Do you know the Bible says that when he was on earth, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. This may blow your mind, but actually Jesus was 200%. He, He was the impossible. When He was here on earth, He didn't cease to be God. He was fully human, fully divine at the exact same time. It was was impossible and yet there He is. Here's where it gets really good. When you pray to Him and you say, I need your help. And you ask God and, and begin to pour out your heart to Him. Even if, even if you're, you're not a Christian, it, do, it doesn't matter. Most people I know have got to some point in their life where they said, I just need your help. Will He answer you? Does He even know what you're going through? Here's the great part. When you pray to Jesus, He understands everything that you could possibly be going through because He's human. He understands that. And when He decides to do something about your prayer request, He answers you, but this time as God. He hears your request as a human, but He has the power to pull your life together, to answer you as God. He is amazing. He is the impossible. This year, we have Christmas at our house and we have that stash room. I told you about it, remember? And we're going to get all the stuff that is mess. We're going to push it all into one room, close the door, pretend it doesn't exist. People's lives are like that. Take the junk, take the stuff that they wish was never there. Personally, 
I could fill a warehouse with things I wish I'd never done. I have a junk room too. We all have a junk room. And in that junk room is all your regrets, all your guilt, all your shame. And here's what you'll do as a, as a human. You will pack it up and you'll compartmentalize it and you'll put it away somewhere where you hope no one will open the door. And as long as you deny that room's existence, just like on Christmas Day, for you, you try to get by. The only problem is you'll always know that it's there. Here's the thing. Jesus knows that it's there. He's not afraid of what's in your room. He's willing to open the door and to clear out that room for you so that you never need worry about it again. Here's what you need to know. Humanity is broken. Everyone is. Everyone's broken in one way. If I sat down and said to you, are you broken? Particularly if you're not a Christian, you'd say, no, I am not broken. I'd say, are you perfect? And you'd say, well, I'm not perfect. I call that broken because you're not perfect. In fact, let me, let me explain it to you another way. You, you know, the Bible uses this word sin. If you're a guest, you're like, oh gosh, they said the yes word. We knew it was coming. It's like, yeah, all right, let me tell you what that actually means. The word sin, the Hebrew word for it is hata. Hata. It's a word that actually means to miss the right path. It means to miss the mark. It means to not do what you were supposed to do. Let me explain it to you. I'll illustrate it in a way that will be really easy for you to understand. You imagine an archer that pulls back on his bow and he's aiming at a bullseye. And he lets that arrow fly. And just, just fractionally, just marginally, just misses that target. He made a mistake. The Bible calls that sin. Sin's not about just morality. It's, it's just that you made a mistake. It's so easy. Here's a way, another way that the Bible actually d- defines it and describes it. It says that when you stumble, if you, if you trip, you, were, you just meant to walk down the path and you tripped. It was an accident, right? But you tripped. It wasn't something you planned to do. It was, it was sin. And the only reason I tell you this is that you'll never be interested in fixing anything unless you realize it's a problem. And here's the problem that all humanity has. We're broken. And here's what the first Christmas is actually all about. The first Christmas heralds a message. The word herald, if you imagine like, you know, they used to have the friars that would come out with those bells and they just shout out a message to the whole village. And actually the first Christmas, it shouts out a message to humanity. And it says that God loves people and He knows that they're not perfect, but He He loves them anyway. He will fix what we can and He will hold the broken pieces of your life together. That is what the first Christmas heralds. That's what the first Christmas is all about. When we stand together, we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna sing a song. And if you don't know all the words, that's fine. Don't worry about that. But this is an amazing message. Here's what this message is all about. Many of you would be familiar with this but I think it's worth reading anyway. Here's the message of the gospel. John 3, 16, the first Christmas, the reason why we have it. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, the Son that we've heard about all morning, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. You're probably familiar with that. Do you know what comes next? For some of you, this is going to blow your minds, especially if you don't go to church very often. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. 
reason Jesus came was to save everyone. And it's available to everyone. If you ever want to find out more about that message, wow, you can read the Bible or you can come to church. There's plenty of opportunity to hear about that message. But it's an amazing message. It's the reason why we celebrate Christmas. I told you the message behind Christmas was so much better than the presents and the turkey. It's awesome. I'm so glad you could be here today. We're going to see. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.